Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from I Could Never Believe in a God Who, our series in which we examine and respond to serious objections to Christianity. Here is Pastor Nick. Amen. Amen. Good morning once again. Welcome to Whitefields Community Church. We're so glad that you're here with us on this Sunday morning to worship the Lord and, and to study His Word. Would you please open with me in your Bibles to the New Testament book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. So if you can find Hebrews, it's one of the bigger books in your New Testament. You go to Hebrews and go two books to your left or you can just use your table of contents. But we're going to begin this morning by reading our text, which comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to read verses 14 through 17. As for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is God's word. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how it speaks to us today. And we ask that as we open it, as we study it now, Lord, that you would speak to us through it. Lord, give us receptive minds. Give us receptive hearts, Lord, that we would not only hear your word, but we would understand it. And Lord, that by your power, we would apply it to our lives. And Lord, that you would do a transforming work in us by your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So currently we are in a series. We've been in, this is our third week in the series. We're taking eight weeks and the series is called, I Could Never Believe in a God Who. I Could Never Believe in a God Who. And the way that we started the series is that we put out a poll uh, a couple months ago and we asked people to complete that sentence for us. How would you complete that sentence? How do you hear people around you completing that sentence saying things like, I could never believe in a God Who does this or that. And so we're taking eight weeks and we've taken the answers from that poll. And what we're doing is we're taking a week at a time and looking at some of the things which create the biggest hurdles for people when it comes to embracing Christianity, putting their faith in Jesus, really wholeheartedly believing in the Bible, you know, giving their lives over to Jesus. Because that's what we believe, of course, is the whole trajectory of the Bible and the Christian faith. And so we want to know what are the things that are holding people back from that. And we want to address some of those things directly. And here's why? Because as I've seen, a lot of the things that people say, this is what's holding me back, they're actually really good answers to those things. And we can address those things. And hopefully through this, we can remove some of those barriers to faith and we can help people move from disbelief to belief, from uh, not having faith to having faith. And of course, our goal is this, again, to remove some of those barriers, help you move from doubt and unbelief to faith and belief. But our other goal is to help equip you because we know that you talk to other people, right? You talk to friends, family, people at work, and a lot of them have similar questions that you do. And so not only do we want to answer these questions for your sake, but we want to answer these questions to equip you to be able to speak to other people who also struggle with similar things or uh, who also struggle with doubts or questions so that you can help them overcome those, those hurdles and move into faith and belief and, and trust in Jesus. So when it comes to Christianity, one of the things that people say they struggle with, they say things like this, I could never believe in a God who gave us a faulty Bible. A faulty Bible. So today what we're going to be talking about is this question, can we really trust 
the Bible? And if so, how do we know that we can trust it? Because, I mean, really, if we're going to tell people that they should build their lives on this book, well, then it does matter, right, what it says. It matters if it's trustworthy. It matters if we can actually uh, believe what it says and, and to what degree, right? So uh, let's talk about what's the word on the street, you know, among people when it comes to the Bible. Well, here's some responses that came in in response to our poll. One person said this. They said, it is unclear whether the Bible really is the word of God. They said, this is what I struggle with. It's unclear whether the Bible is really the word of God. Another person in a different poll uh, responded this way. They said this, I have a hard time basing my life on a book that was written thousands of years ago by the leaders of the time. In my opinion, the Bible was and still is a tool to oppress people. Right, so this is, this is a big issue. We should talk about this. In some polls that I looked at, other polls that were taken, this was the number one issue amongst Christians, right? Because a lot of these things we're talking about, they aren't just things that people who don't believe and don't follow Jesus, that they struggle with. These are things that, that you and I struggle with as well. These are honest questions that we have. And so this was a big issue amongst people who are Christians. How can I really know that the Bible's legit. Like, how can I really trust it? If I'm going to base my whole life on this, I'd really like to know. And so it was number one question that Christians struggle with, and it was in the top five for people who are not Christians. Can I really trust the Bible? So what we're going to do over the course of the next couple minutes is we're going to look at some of the things that people commonly say and believe about the Bible, kind of the cultural Kool-Aid, you might say, right? Like uh, just what people in general think and say about the Bible. And we're going to examine the evidence and hold the two up to each other. And we're going to see where it leads. And I believe that as we do this, as I've studied on this, and you know, I've studied this at university level, and I've studied it in this past week coming up here. Um, here's what I want you to see through all of this. And that's this. The Bible is three things. Number one, the Bible is historically reliable. Number two, the Bible is subversive to the powers that be. It's subversive to the powers that be. And thirdly, it is not primarily about being good. And so we're going to talk about that. The Bible is not primarily about how to be good. So let's begin by looking at the text which we just read uh, a minute ago from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Now 2 Timothy is a letter which Paul the Apostle wrote to a, a young pastor, a protege of his named Timothy, who was a young pastor in the early church in the city of Ephesus. Now here's what Paul tells Timothy in this section that we, we looked at. In verse 14, he tells Timothy, Timothy, I want you to continue in what you've learned, and I don't want you to forget who you learned it from. Now we know from the book of Acts and other places in the New Testament, we actually know quite a lot about Timothy. Um, we know that Paul first met Timothy on his first missionary journey. When Paul came to Timothy's hometown, which is a town called Lystra, he came there on his first missionary journey. It's in modern day Turkey. And Paul came there and he told the people there about Jesus and he started a church there. And it was through that ministry of Paul that Timothy became a Christian. It wasn't just Timothy, but also his mother and his grandmother became Christians. In fact, they were pretty well-known people in the Christian church at that time. Paul actually mentions them by name here in this letter, 2 Timothy. Uh, his mom's name was Eunice and his grandmother's name was Lois and they're mentioned by name. And so all three of them became Christians at the same time during Paul's first missionary journey. They were part of the church there in their hometown of Lystra. Later on, 
on Paul's second missionary journey, he came back through that town. And by that time, Timothy was a little bit older. We get the impression Timothy was probably maybe a teenager the first time around when he had uh, first brought the gospel to that city. Well, on the second time through Lystra, Paul says to Timothy, hey, Timothy, why don't you join me and you'll be part of my team and we're gonna travel around the Roman Empire, the Mediterranean world, and we're gonna tell people about Jesus and we're gonna start churches. And so Timothy joined him and they did that for years together, traveling together. And as a result, what happened? Well, Timothy learned about Jesus but I want to suggest to you, he probably didn't learn about Jesus only from Paul. On these journeys and on, at traveling with Paul and being his companion, he would have learned about Jesus from a lot of people, including, we can suppose, and again, this is a little bit reading between the lines, but we can suppose that he would have learned about Jesus even from people who were eyewitnesses of Jesus themselves. Now, we don't know that for sure, but certainly he would have at least read written accounts written by people who were eyewitnesses. Think about it like this. This letter was written. This is the last of Paul's letter. He wrote this shortly before his death. Okay, so everything else uh, that Paul wrote was written before this. This letter was written about 65 AD, which is about 30 to 33 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. Now, this was the last letter that Paul ever wrote. So, so shortly after this, he died uh, during a wave of persecution against Christians that happened in Rome. But what that means is that by the time that this letter was written, there were, a, there were still a lot of people around who were still eyewitnesses of Jesus. They had seen him teach. They, they had seen him be crucified. Some of them had seen him after he had resurrected from the dead. Now think about this. Uh, events that have happened in recent decades, right? Because this letter was written at that time, but Paul had already been traveling with Timothy for at least 10 years. So let's go back 10 more years, right? 20 years. You're 20 years out from Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Think about things that have happened in, in the last 20 years in our lifetime. Right? Do you think you could find eyewitnesses to those things? How about 9-11? Do you think there's anybody around who was there who can tell you what that was like uh, when those planes hit the, the World Trade Towers in New York? Of course there were. It wasn't that long ago. I mean, that's starting to be a long time now, but it really isn't that long ago. Or think about the war in Iraq, right? Are there any eyewitnesses to that? Of course there are, right? They're easy to find. Uh, how about the Obama era? Anybody remember that? Right, of course you do. It wasn't that long ago. See, there are plenty of people around today who are eyewitnesses of these things because they didn't happen very long ago, and, and uh, you can go and talk to them, and you can verify things, and you can ask how things really took place, and that's how it was with Jesus in these times, right? They're only 20, 30 years out from Jesus' death and resurrection, but it's also an interesting time because by this time, most of the books that we have in our New Testament were already written, and not only were they already written, they were already distributed amongst all the Christians, and they were considered scripture. We're going to talk about that more in just a second. So Paul is saying this, Timothy, continue in your faith. Why? Here's why. Because the things that, that you believe really happened. They're not just philosophy. They're real events that took place in real time, real places, real history. They happened. You can talk to people uh, who saw them happen. Don't forget who you learned these things from. You learned them from people who were there. They, they saw this stuff and they, they can verify it.
Hey, Pastor Nick here. Are you looking for a resource to help you answer some of the most difficult questions about God in the Bible? Then we've got good news for you. I've written a book called The God I Won't Believe In, Facing Nine Common Barriers to Embracing Christianity. In this book, I deal directly with some of the biggest questions people struggle with, such as how a loving God can allow innocent people to suffer, or whether God condoned genocide in the Old Testament, or whether the Bible encourages the suppression of women and minorities? Does the Bible really say that some kinds of love are wrong? And is there actual proof that God exists and that the Bible is trustworthy? I address these topics and more in this book, which is a great resource for anyone who wrestles with doubts or who has concerns about these topics. And it's a great resource for those who want to help others who have questions about these topics. So to purchase this book, search for The God I Won't Believe In, Facing Nine Common Barriers to Embracing Christianity, wherever books are sold, or visit nickkady.org. And to celebrate the release of this book, we are offering a free copy of the book as a gift to any of our listeners who make a donation of any amount to support Be Set Free Radio at besetfreeradio.com. And now back to today's message. Then he goes on in verse 15. He says this, And remember how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. So another thing we know about Timothy from Acts chapter 16 is that Timothy's mother and grandmother, remember Eunice and Lois, right? We know that they were Jewish. They were Jewish. And they raised Timothy, apparently, to know the Jewish scriptures from childhood. So they exposed him to this. They were probably going to synagogue. They were probably exposing him at home to what the scriptures said. And look at what Paul says there. Now, which scriptures are those? Let's be clear. The Old Testament scriptures. That's what he would have known from childhood. That's what would have been available when Timothy was a child. The Old Testament scriptures. By the way, the Old Testament, New Testament, for those of you who might be new to the Bible, what that simply means is this. Old Testament is all the books that were written before Jesus, and the New Testament is the, are the books that were written after Jesus, about Jesus, and then what happened after him. And so this is a really important phrase. Look at what it says there in the end of verse 15 in 2 Timothy 3. It says this. Paul says, these Old Testament scriptures, these sacred writings you have known since childhood, he says this, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. I say that again. Now remember, what scriptures are we talking about here? We're talking about the Old Testament scriptures that Timothy knew from his childhood. And Paul says, those scriptures you knew from your childhood, what are they good for? They are able to make you wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. That's a really important phrase. It's important uh, for a couple reasons that we'll talk about today. But it's important because what Paul is saying is that the Old Testament scriptures, the part of the Bible written before Jesus, is about how to be saved through Jesus. Do you catch that? Now, that's interesting. Now, maybe you'd say, wait a second. I'm confused, right? Now, don't you mean the New Testament scriptures are able to make us wise to be saved through Jesus? I mean, the Old Testament, Jesus wasn't even around then, right? Like, how could, how could they speak about Jesus? Well, we're going to talk about that, and it's really important. So keep that phrase in mind. It's really, really key. Then Paul says in verse 16, he says, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. Now this is interesting because in the previous verse, Paul talked about the sacred writings, right? Which Timothy knew from childhood. Now we know that those are the Old Testament scriptures. But now Paul used a different phrase. He says, All scripture is breathed out by God. 
is he's talking about the same scriptures. Most Bible scholars believe that what Paul is talking about here is not just the Old Testament. That what he's actually including in this all scripture, when he uses that phrase, he's also referring to the books of the Bible, which we now have in our New Testaments, uh, that were already in existence at that time. So this letter, again, I said 65 AD, written at the end of Paul's life. There are 27 books in your New Testament today. 27 books in your New Testament. By this time, 23, now this one being one of them, right? So but 23 of those 27 books had already been written. And not only were they written, but they were in distribution. They were being copied and distributed throughout all the early Christian churches. And they were considered to be Holy Scripture in the same way and on the same level as the Old Testament was considered Holy Scriptures. Now that's really important because you will hear people say that, you know, oh, you know, the early Christians didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have the New Testament. Or, you know, these books were just letters that people passed around. They weren't considered Scripture in the way that we consider them Scripture until later on, and then people looked back at them and said, oh, those were really important. Let's say that they're Scripture. Or another thing you might hear, you might hear people say the New Testament didn't even exist until the time of Constantine, which was 300 years after Jesus. And I'm here to tell you guys, that's just simply not true. I mean, I mean, if you want to just disregard history, then you can believe those things. But if you really want to look at the facts, those things are not true. And guys, the fact is this, is, this is why we have to talk about this, because there is so much misinformation out there, and, and we need to dispel a lot of these fake ideas um, that people get. You know, people, uh, unfortunately, today get all their information about how things are, you know, either from, you know, dubious sources on the Internet or somebody told them and they just believed it, right? And so let's look at the history. If you would have gone into a Christian church in the first century, now they were mostly house churches, and there's a reason for that. It's because Christianity was an illegal or illicit religion until the Edict of Milan, which was in 314 AD. Okay, so until that time, Christianity was an illegal or illicit religion. And what that meant is that uh, they wouldn't always get shut down or persecuted. Sometimes they allowed these gatherings, but they could never buy their own buildings. So they didn't have church buildings. They met in houses, not because meeting in houses is necessarily better, but meeting in houses was a necessity. They couldn't buy buildings. And so if you would have gone into a church, it would have been probably met in someone's house. It probably would have been pretty small. And, uh, and they had many of them throughout a city. And if you would have gone to a church, let's say 30 years, like at the time this was written, 30 years after Jesus' resurrection, they would have had handwritten copies of almost every book that you have in your New Testament today. And at their gatherings, what would they do? Well, they would read those letters, and then a teacher would explain, they'd help to explain and help to apply those teachings from the, those New Testament letters and books to the people's lives, very much similar to what we do today. So let, let me give you a couple examples from the Bible that show you, kind of just cross-referencing, and show you that the early Christians not only had the New Testament books and that they were being distributed, but that they considered them Scripture, Holy Scripture, in the same way that the Old Testament was considered Holy Scripture, the very Word of God. So I'll just give you a list here. Second Peter chapter 3, Paul refers to the writings of, I'm sorry, Peter refers to the writings of Paul 
and refers to them as scripture. So Peter's saying, hey, you know, when Paul writes his letters, those aren't just letters, those are scripture, and he recognizes them. In, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul refers to his own message as the word of God. It wasn't just his opinion. He said, this is the word of God. It's inspired by God. In, in 1 Timothy 5, Paul quotes from the gospel of Luke, and he calls it scripture. That's important. It means that they had the gospel of Luke, and, and they read it, and everybody considered it scripture. In, in some of his letters, like in Colossians and Thessalonians, Paul instructs them specifically, make copies of these letters and distribute them to be read in all the churches. Okay, so this is, this is how it works. So when Paul says all scripture, keep this in mind. He's not just talking about the Old Testament. He's also talking about the New Testament writings, which were already in existence at this time, which was most of the New Testament, about 23 out of 27 books. And what uh, Paul is saying is that these scriptures are breathed out by God. They are inspired by God. They are, in other words, the very words of God. Now, I know what you might be thinking, or maybe I'm just guessing what you're thinking, but here's what somebody might say. They might say, okay, wait, so are you telling me basically this? I should believe the Bible because the Bible says I should believe the Bible, right? Well, that's kind of circular reasoning, isn't it, right? Like, the Bible says I should believe the Bible, and therefore I believe. But what if I don't believe the Bible? Well, then there you go, right? Like, I don't believe that whole argument. Like, why should I believe the Bible's the Word of God? Well, because the Bible says it's the Word of God. Well, again, circular reasoning. And so, uh, what if I don't believe the Bible? Now, look, I get that. But why do I bring this up? Obviously, you know, that is circular reasoning. We need something outside to, to shed light on the Bible to see, is it really true when it says that it's the word of God? But here's why I want you to see this first. Because I want you to see that this is how the Bible portrays itself. That's why this verse is so important. This is how the Bible portrays itself. This is what the Bible claims to be, the very word of God. Now think about it. If these verses weren't here, then what would people say? They would say, well, you know, the Bible doesn't even claim to be the word of God. But obviously it does. And that's why this verse is important. The Bible does claim to be the very words of God. And therefore the writings we have in the Bible are utterly different than any other writings that exist in the world. Now listen, that's either true or it's not true. But this is what the Bible claims to be. So now we have to take that and deal with it. The Bible claims to be the very word of God. Is it true? Is it not? Well, let's look at some other evidence, but I want you to see this is the question we have to answer. Is the Bible what it claims to be, the very word of God inspired by God? Now, how do we, how do we know whether this claim is true? Now, a lot of people, if, you, if you've asked these kinds of questions before, maybe you asked, well, I don't know, you, you've asked, so how do I know that it's the word of God? How can I be sure? And the answer that you've gotten sometimes uh, when you've asked, how can I be sure, people have told you this. They've said, well, look, you just have to accept it on faith. As if there's no evidence out there. That's, that's, I think that's actually uh, irresponsible for us as Christians because here's the deal. There is a ton of evidence out there and our goal should be to help as many people as possible see the evidence about the Bible because here's what I'm convinced of is that the more you look at the evidence for the Bible about whether it's historically reliable, whether it's true, here's what you'll be convinced of. You'll be convinced of our first point here, which is this. The Bible is indeed historically reliable. So one of the questions that people ask when it comes to the Bible, like we just read this letter from Paul. How do we know that what we're reading is what Paul actually wrote? 
right? Or let's say we read the Gospel of Matthew. How can I be sure that when I read the Gospel of Matthew, I'm reading what was actually written and it wasn't just tampered with or changed over time? I mean, it's been a long time, 2,000 years. I mean, how can we know that it hasn't gone through changes and transformations and people in power kind of came in and scratched out parts they didn't like and added things that they did like to give themselves more control and more power? How can I know that when I read the Gospel of John or any part of the Bible, that what I'm reading is what was originally and actually written? That's a really good question. And to answer that question, what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you through a couple of ancient documents. Because what I want you to see is this is an issue not just for the Bible, but this is an issue for all ancient documents. Did you know that there is actually no major writing from antiquity, from the ancient world, for which we have an original copy? Of any writing from the ancient world, there's almost no original copies. All right, we don't have like, you know, the book of, uh, I don't know, Hebrews, you know, with the guy's signature at the end, and he wrote it with his own hand. No, what we have are called manuscripts, which are handwritten copies. And the reason we don't have original copies of any ancient writings is because of the ways that the, the materials that were used and the ways that documents were stored and, and done in ancient times. And so keep that in mind, and let's look at this. Let's look at this chart. I've got a slide here for you. So on this chart, here's what you're going to see. Have you heard of Plato, right? Plato, very famous philosopher. He wrote a book called The Republic. And so here's when he wrote it. He wrote it somewhere in 427 to 347. They're not exactly sure. But the earliest manuscript that we have of it is from 900 AD. So just do the math there. That's 1,200 years between the original writing and the oldest copy that we have. You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have three in-person services on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And our 9.30 and 11 services are live streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick, Visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Be Set Free is a listener-supported program. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support this ministry, you can send a donation via check to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or donate online at besetfreeradio.com.